Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We have a great show for you this week. I'm James Briarton in Charlotte. Joining me on our Carolina Weather Group panel, we have Frank Strait. Our guest this week is John Lawson. He is the executive director of the Advance Warning and Response Network, which we will refer to as AWARN. They are an alliance that is working hand-in-hand with the ATSC 3.0 rollout. Don't worry, we will explain exactly what that means. Uh, John, welcome to the show. It's good to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So uh, we'll get some of the technical stuff out of the way just to give people an idea of what we are talking about. But I think a lot of our viewers and listeners will remember years back, they had to buy all new TVs and all new receivers to go from analog to digital. And the next generation of that is on the horizon the group that you are with has one particular aspect of that, but can you give us just the 30,000 foot view of what this entire initiative is all about and how it impacts people when they go to watch television? ATSC, we now call it 1.0, was the first digital television system in the world and is what brought us high definition television. We, we almost forget that it used to be a lot crummier. <laughs> uh, we have great, great uh, resolution now and uh, 1.0 did that, but it also, to do it, to get that much resolution, they had to give up indoor reception. So getting it with an antenna has been difficult. 3.0, ATSC 3.0, which is branded for consumers as next-gen TV, is um, the world's first all-internet protocol, all-IP-based television transmission system, which means that it can... Um, interoperate with many other networks seamlessly in any other digital networks. It can be part of a, net, a network of networks and it can do other things. It can do 4K, it can be free, it can be charged. It can, you can do, they can do a bundle of channels the broadcasters can if they want to. Uh, it provides um, multiple channels. It, could, it can all be data. You could, you could use it to um, upgrade firmware or navigation software in automobiles. In fact, there are tests going on in Detroit right now to do exactly that. So it's a very powerful, it's still one to many, but because it is all IP, you can create return paths with cellular or broadband or whatever, whatever you're using. Yeah, there seems to be almost an endless amount of possibility with this. And I'm glad you use the term next-gen TV. And I think that's probably how I should also refer to it because uh, that rolls off the tongue kind of nicely. Um, one of the things folks at home will probably relate to is severe weather coverage. And we want to talk a lot uh, with you tonight about what AWARN is doing to kind of level up and enhance the way broadcasters can offer up severe weather coverage. And I'll just give this little caveat, uh, a reminder to our audience that uh, tonight's conversation with John is pre-recorded, but on the particular night in March of 2022 that we are Zooming with John here, I'm looking out of the corner of my screen at WCNC Television, where Chief Meteorologist Brad Panovich is doing a tornado warning in a rural county of Western North Carolina, which is not the county that I live in of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County, although it is inside of WCNC's coverage area. So I bring all of that up because, John, one of the things that, if I understand correctly, AWARN will allow broadcasters to do, if they so choose, is segment their audience on who can stick with regular programming and who gets that tornado warning. Is that right? That's exactly right. It, it turns out that the biggest problem with alerting is over-alerting. And people become, um, they become numb to the alerting, uh, desensitized to alerts if 
if they're warned about things that really don't affect them. Uh, it happens a lot with flash flood warnings, and it uh, it puts a it puts a broadcaster with today's technology in a real bind, as you know, because uh, you have to make the decision: do you cut into programming to warn people about the tornado, tornado even though it might not touch ninety percent of your viewing audience? Uh, there were a couple of back-to-back incidences two or three years ago, a station in Illinois uh, cut into the finale of The Bachelor to warn about a tornado that was in mm. a segment of the viewing area, and people raised hell about that. And then an NBC O&O in Dallas did not cut in to a Cowboys game when a tornado was passing through a part of their viewing area, and they caught hell for that. So, yeah, ATSC 3.0 uh, is a new tool in the toolkit for anyone in the alerting business, whether it's the alert originator like the weather service or the distributor or um, a news organization uh, like your station, which um, has to make decisions about when to come on the air with people. Cause you can, you can segment, you could even, one of the things we're working toward is giving consumers a lot of choice over what they're warned on. Uh, do you wanna be warned by an EF1 that's you know five miles from your house? Are you you'll, you're good uh, if it's an EF three headed for my neighborhood? Then warn me. I mean that's that's, that's a lot kind of, of responsibility and choice. Yeah, it is, and uh, you know there's c- controversy about that. Uh, but ultimately, the whole thing is moving that way anyway. The old emergency alert system is uh, practically useless in situations like that. So uh, there's a lot of things that we can do with it. And my organization is is trying to figure out what, as we put it. We're, 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 we're occupied with the what of alerting and our technology friends like those at the ATSC itself are considered with the how of alerting. Well, John, this sounds like it's going to be uh, great uh, for everyone all around, uh, especially for uh, TV meteorologists like James Spann, who's tired of being called bad names when, <laughs> when programming is getting broken into that a lot of people want to see, but only a few people are being affected by some major weather event. The thing that I'm curious about here is how does the TV know where it is? So that it, so that the right programming shows up, either the the cut in that for people who are in that polygon or an affected county, or the people who are elsewhere. That's a great question, uh, and it's one that the FCC has been asking about. In fact, Congress passed legislation called the Ready Act that became part of the National Defense Authorization Act of 2021, and it created a notice of inquiry at the FCC. How do you do? Uh, is it, is it feasible to do alerting over streaming media since so many people have gone to Netflix and Spotify and um, you know Amazon Plus and just a whole range of it? You know, a lot, that's how people are getting their content these days. My kids used to you know, be in the basement with headphones on doing online gaming and an EF4 could have been coming down the street and they wouldn't know it until the house flies away. But uh, but so you can geotarget with that signal, but knowing where the TV is is the trick. Uh, the TV needs to know where it is because if you're if you're sending it from a from a tall tower TV station, uh, it's going to go to everybody. But the alert originator can put geocodes in there to say that the warning only applies to this polygon, and then devices within that polygon or within the the whole uh, coverage area they can match up where they are against the geocodes and determine whether or not they should display the alert. 
with an in-place TV set, it's tricky unless um, uh, there, there's some workarounds. One, usually people are subscribed to something, so they've put in at least a zip code. Um, and you could, uh, particularly with ATSC 3.0, you can uh, pair you can pair the TV set with your handheld device or a tablet, which does know where it is with GPS. Uh, ideally, as these new sets are built, and there's been over a million with next-gen receivers built in, they will build in some sort of GPS awareness. But right now, it's going to be, um, you know, at, at probably at best, it'll be a, a, a zip code level, a level uh, situational where awareness in terms of location. Reminds me a lot of how NOAA's own weather radio system over the years evolved to include those same codes so that people didn't have that whole overwarning problem. Um, John, I want to reference something I believe you said earlier and, and gave me some memories and flashbacks to something we lost when we switched to the current model of high-definition digital television, which was some mobile viewing. You used to have TV antennas in cars and the kids in the back seat could, could watch that analog transmission with next gen, would that allow people on the go access to local broadcasters giving breaking news in severe weather? Absolutely. It's one of the one of the most important features of, of ATSC 3.0 next gen TV. It uh, it's it's very uh, it, it hits mobile devices very reliably. Uh, they just and they also they just did a test uh, driving a car from Detroit to, I think it was Portland, Oregon, with ATSC 3.0 stations along the, the route. And the, uh, the software allowed the receiver to hand off to different stations along the way. So it definitely, uh, it provides mobility. So we think the automotive industries, we know the automotive industry is very interested in 3.0, uh, certainly, tablets and things like that will be uh, will be good targets for 3.0. Uh, the wireless industry, the, um, the cell companies, uh, they really don't want you to have free video from the broadcasters on your mobile phone. You know, they <laughs> want to charge you for that data. So getting it into the mobile devices, uh, that's going to take some policy, I think. Yeah, I remember there was a push at one point to get the FM radio chips unlocked in phones so people could listen to FM radio, and that was a bit of a struggle, and it reminds me a little bit of, of that. Um, I think our audience, who is very weather aware, may be interested in becoming early adopters from a viewing standpoint, and looking at the watchnextgentv.com website, you know, we can see that Charlotte and Greensboro and Raleigh and Greenville, North Carolina television markets have all launched their initial ATSC 3.0 operations, although some functionality I imagine is still to come. And then in South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Columbia are kind of TBD with Charleston launching uh, later in the summer and other markets to be announced. Um, John, let me ask you, if somebody is going to go out and buy a new TV, what can they do in the near term to set themselves up for success in the future? You can certainly... Uh... There are, there are many models uh, from LG, Sony, Samsung, and now Hisense that have next-gen TV receivers built in. And all you need is a low-cost antenna. It might be a flat one. If I could reach it, I'd show you the one I've got. But uh, you can buy these things at the CVS, and uh, they work perfectly with, with these TV sets. So uh, 
but you don't have to buy a new TV set. Uh, there are, uh, we call them gateways. These are transition devices that you can buy through Amazon. I, I bought one. I think you you said you had you had purchased one. I bought one for less than two hundred dollars, and uh, it. Um, the great thing about these these gateways is, uh, you've got this little device, a set top box, call it, with a small antenna by the window or maybe in the middle of the living room, depending on your situation. But it is it is also got Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and HDMI. So this one this one box becomes in effect a media hub that can power all your devices, including your mobile devices. They don't have to have a 3.0 tuner, the cell phone doesn't, to be able to receive uh, reception from the 3.0 station in a scenario like that. And that gets back to the, your question about, um, uh, the question from Frank about, does the TV know where it is? One of the things we said to the FCC is that, uh, it, it is, there are a lot of comment, comments from filed from the streaming industry and the consumer electronics industry about the challenges of doing alerting over streaming media. But there is an elegant solution. If the home has one of these gateway devices that's receiving the, the signal off the air, it can actually overlay the alert on the TV screen or your tablet or your computer, no matter what you're streaming. You could be binging the second season of Game of Thrones and you could still get the alert and because these gateways do have uh, GPS or some of them do or will, it will know where it is. So it really cuts down on over alerting by allowing geo-targeting and allow allowing the other devices in the home to be able to receive the signal from, from off air. John, are there any uh, mobile or, or I should say uh, tuners available for mobile devices at this point, something you can plug into uh, your tablet or cell phone while you're on the go? I'm sure these kind of things are in, are under development at this point, but uh, are there any available yet? There are companies developing them. I'm not aware of of one that you can uh, you can plug in. The the one that's uh, it's either available or soon will. It's it's sort of a uh, it's like a case. I, I think they call it quarterback, so it would be able to do that. One of the tricky things about a mobile device is you've got to you got to put the antenna somewhere. And these things are chock full of all kinds of radios and the antennas are in the housing. So you've got to put another antenna in there as well as a tuner. So it's not, um, it's doable. In fact, Sam, uh, Sinclair Broadcasting, working with an Indian, co Indian company actually has produced a mobile phone that's got the 3.0 tuner integrated. So it is doable. I guess it's a question of, um, you know, what the market is and will, Will the carriers ever get behind it? Since we have television that's kind of on two separate bands, the UHF and VHF band, and they require uh, different antennas to work properly, uh, is this something that's going to be uh, another challenge to have to overcome, especially for the mobile devices? Because uh, it seems that it'd be difficult to get a good VHF antenna into a mobile device. Uh, UHF, the way they work, it, I imagine a smaller antenna might work okay, but... VHF might be a different story. Uh, so do you have any, any thoughts about that? You've done your homework, man. You're asking, <laughs> you're asking the, the questions that are, that are engineers debate. But the, the reality is that VHF, back in the old days, like Channel 10 in Columbia, 2 through 13, the VHF frequencies were the, that was beachfront property. That's where you wanted to be because they carried a long way. Yeah. UHF came in, that was 14 at one point up to, 80, 80 something. 
now it's only uh, 14 to, I think, 32. Uh, the TV band has been shrunk, but in the digital world, UHF is where you want to be. So UHF is really optimal for deep indoor penetration and mobile. However, VHF is viable, particularly for automobiles, because of the antenna issue that you bring up. With a car, you've got all sorts of real estate for the antenna. So it might be that we end up with a kind of division of labor where the VHF stations, which are, are fine for indoor penetration, they're just probably not as robust as UHF, um, and they can do mobile, they just need a bigger antenna uh, area. So you may see VHF optimized for the automotive or, or connected vehicle industry, whereas UHF is used more for traditional in-home and uh, smaller devices. John, how can people learn more about what AWARN, your Advanced Warning and Response Network, are, are doing? Well, you can come to our website, which is AWARN, A-W-A-R-N.org, pretty simple. And uh, the Standards Development Organization, ATSC, has an excellent site, ATSC.org. And um, they have a lot of, uh, it's not, it, you, you can definitely nerd out at that site if you want to. I'm not an engineer, but there's plenty for uh, interested in lay, lay, lay people uh, that uh, just want to learn more about it. There's some very good trade trade press too, like uh, TV technology. But uh, if you were just going to to browse, uh, you can just you can Google Next Gen TV and find plenty of plenty of content. But ATSC is probably the single best repository of information when it comes to alerting. I would uh, it's pretty much awarn.org. That's some really good information. And before we go, if you still got the time, because I know we're running a few minutes longer than what I said, Frank always likes to end with fun questions. And Frank, I want to tell you, keep it to a couple of minutes here because I know uh, we've got a, another production to hop on over to and we want to be respectful of John's time. But we do know that he has some connections to our area. And Frank, I will let you ask him all about it. John, uh, uh, how often do you come back to visit uh, South Carolina or North Carolina too, for that matter? So my, my mom passed away about two and a half years ago. And that got me, she was in Columbia. It got me down, you know, regularly to see her. Uh, I still have plenty of friends. I'm going to go to my 50th high school reunion in uh, Orangeburg uh, in May. Unfortunately, I went to another funeral. Um, uh, my brother-in-law's mother uh, just this past weekend. But uh, my, my mom would always get us a house at the beach. And that was kind of our family family reunion place. And she's a Tar Heel. She's, she was born in Charlotte, raised in Concord. And her family goes back a long way. Uh, before the revolution. And uh, so I've got plenty of roots in both Carolinas and I don't get back as uh, nearly as much as I would like to, but I, I still, I'm attached to the University of South Carolina. Uh, there's a great new Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences there that uh, I think is gonna do some good things. I like the new president. So, you know, it kind of comes and goes, but I, I like getting back when I can. Uh, when you come to visit the Midlands of South Carolina, what's something you must do? You know, I really, I'm fascinated by the Congaree Swamp National Forest. Uh, I guess it's a national park now. I mean, it's one of the most fascinating places on earth. Uh, those giant hardwoods, virgin uh, upland swamp like that. I mean, it's really, it's really something. So I like that. And of course, uh, if, uh, if I can take in a game, uh, I would certainly do that. I, I, I hope that, uh, I hope USC can turn around the men's basketball program and 
headed in the direction of the women's program. Yeah, sure would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, what other thing? Uh, favorite restaurant, must visit restaurant here in the Midlands. I've kind of lost track of them all, honestly. I hate to say it, but uh, when I was in graduate school at Carolina, there was a, I was a bartender at a place called the Stage Door on Hardin Street in Five Points, and it was it was the hottest uh, it was the hard, hottest club uh, during the disco era. And I don't mean retro; I mean the actual disco era. <laughs> so uh, I used to be pretty familiar uh, with all the restaurants around there, but um, I uh, I sort of uh, depend upon my sister and brother in law, who still live in Columbia, to take me down to the Vista. So I've I've had a couple of really good restaurants there. I'm Googling all of this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought I would check and see if it's still there. Apparently it's not. But It's uh, not. Okay, well, uh, that's all I have. But I did want to ask uh, one, one other question before we wrap up, and that's uh, what, uh, where, would, where would people go who want to learn more about NextGen TV and ATSC3? The Trade Press, you can Google it. There's a lot in the Trade Press about it. And, uh, but if you want a deeper dive, as, uh, as I recommended, going to the ATSC, ATSC.org site, they've got a lot of, uh, you can go really, really deep in the weeds on the tech on that side if you want to, but there's a lot of uh, more uh, popular-oriented content that's really good. And uh, there was some news that came out of the Consumer Electronics Show that's out there. If you if you, you can easily find it about the, the TV sets that are on the market and those that are coming. And then we've got the National Association of Broadcasters show in April, and there will be some news there about uh, about next-gen TV. And... Um, some, some probably about alerting. We, uh, we're doing a series of these roundtables, and we, um, uh, we're talking about doing one in Charleston. I haven't talked to the to the mayor there, who I went to high school with, about it yet. But the broadcasters that are lighting up that station in Charleston, um, they uh, they're very interested in doing a, a, a roundtable to bring emergency managers and broadcasters together to talk about one facet of alerting, which uh, you all know is a, probably the most difficult, which is flood alerting. And uh, it's just, uh, it's just, it's really, I think, I think floods cause, cause the most, are the weather phenomenon that are the natural phenomenon that cause the most fatalities in the United States each year. Most of the deaths are people moving toward the water. Most of the deaths are men. <laughs> uh, so it, figuring out how to do alerting, this gets back to the social science. How do you keep people from yeah. trying to drive through that creek? Or how do you convince them that, that that innocuous looking creek near your house really is going to rise up and take your house away? You know, we've got to figure that out. Well, unfortunately, Charleston is probably the place to host that conversation. They are very, very familiar with that problem. And keep us in the loop if you guys end up uh, doing something here in the Carolinas, we'd love to know about it. I definitely will do that. John, we appreciate your time. This is very exciting technology and I can speak for myself and I presume our, our viewers and our listeners when I say, I think we're all excited for what this next generation of television has and, and all of the work that AWARN is doing to make sure it includes some of the cutting edge capabilities of weather coverage. Well, thank you. You guys are really knowledgeable about this stuff. It's, uh, it's really been a pleasure and I, I admire what you're doing. Uh, it's a really, really great idea for a podcast. I appreciate that very much. And uh, 
If that isn't already enough ringing endorsement to a viewer and listener who has not yet hit subscribe, please do so. Uh, so you can continue to get more conversations just like this, covering science, technology, weather, and more from the Carolinas and beyond. John, thank you for your time. Frank, good to see you as always. I'm James Briarton in Charlotte, and we'll see you back here for another edition of the Carolina Weather Group. We'll see you.